be great, though. We'd get, just get them to sing all the time. It'd be all right, wouldn't it? Okay, welcome again. Some of you weren't here when we started on time, so when we started, so oh, it's all right. It's Christmas, in case you didn't know, for those that might have come in late. And this Sunday, if you're not ready for Christmas, you don't have much time. But uh, it's still going to happen whether you're ready or not. <laughs> That's the funny thing about Christmas. Whether you prepare for it, whether you plan for it or not, it's still going to happen. So it's best to know, you know ahead of time so you can kind of make some plans. Before I get carried away here, I better pray. Our prayer saying, Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, and your many blessings that you've given unto us, Lord. And I'm thankful, Lord, for Christmas. I'm thankful, Lord, to be able to honor your birth and remember it. Remember the sacrifice that you came, leaving heaven, Lord, and being born among us to walk and walk these roads, Lord, that we, we walk, Lord, and, and to suffer some of the things that we've suffered in this life. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help our hearts, Lord, change our hearts, Lord, to be able to see the reason for the season, Lord, is you. And Lord, help us, Lord, to be sensitive to that. And amongst everything that we do, help us not to forget that, that you are the reason for the season, Lord. Now I ask your anointing upon this service, Lord, and upon our hearts, Lord. I ask, Lord, you anoint me, your servant, this morning, as I deliver the message you've given unto me. And anoint this people, Lord, to receive your message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to be in Luke, the check, second chapter. <clears throat> so if you want to turn there. I know that these verses around Christmas time, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you know these verses. We, went in, uh, we talked a little bit about them last week, but I'm going to deal with a different section of it this morning. And it's Christmas, so I'm going to talk about Christmas. What a concept, what a thought, huh? <laughs> I know a lot of you can quote these verses, or you've heard it enough time that you're pretty familiar with them, but uh, I'm going to let's go ahead and read them this morning. Starting at verse 1. In the book of Luke, chapter 2. And at that time, the Roman Empire, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral homes to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there by village of Nazareth in Galilee. From, from Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of our others, army, uh, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing this, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the separate story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. 
The shepherds went back to the fields, the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. And it was just as the angel had told them. Now, these are very familiar scriptures. And sometimes when we read familiar scriptures, we don't really read them. We really kind of skim over them. Some of the verses that we quote, we go ahead and quote them just as fast as we can quote them, and we read, read Bible the same way. Oh, I need these verses, so we kind of just, oh, yeah, 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 and kind of skim through them. But I don't want to skim through them this morning. I want to go through them a little bit, and maybe we can glean a little bit of information out of them. Maybe you haven't thought of before. And if you had, then that's okay, too, because it's Christmas. Once a year is good enough to, to refresh our memory. So let's look at verse 1 and 2 again. And it said, At that time the Roman Empire, Emperor Augustus decreed that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now Luke, Luke's gospel, we think, oh, it's just a big, so what, they had a census. Well, because of this census, it places the birth of Christ in history. And we realize by him marrying this or combining it with history that it was an actual event that took place. Instead of just something that somebody made up, he placed it in history. And so that kind of makes it a little more real for us because it's not a fairy tale. It was something that actually happened. And so he throws some facts in there for us that we can verify. 2,000 years later, we can verify. And that was the reason he put in this information. And so we would be able to verify it. Uh, verse 3, it says, All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for their census. Now, census were carried out for two reasons. Of course, the obvious is to assess taxes. That's the biggest deal. But back then, it was not only the taxes, but it was to find out who was available for military service. And, of course, the Jews were exempt from military service. I guess they figured they wouldn't fight for the Roman Empire, so they might as well not have them in our midst. They were conscientious objectors, I guess. <laughs> and they wouldn't be able to uh, trust them, I guess, in battle. I have no idea. But they were exempt from it for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm guessing, just guessing right now. And there's historical evidence that we have found that this is these kind of censuses actually took place. So we don't need to say, oh, yeah, well, maybe this happened, maybe it didn't happen. We know that it happened because these kind of things happened. And if it hadn't been written in the Bible, people wouldn't have been spurred or wanted to investigate to find out if it actually happened. Did they really do censuses like this? Well, the reality is that history confirms that there were, this is the way they did censuses. And they were required to go back to their birthplace. Now, we're going to have a census next year. And if you heard all the hoopla about the census, man, you're required to participate. If you don't want to or not, too bad, you're going to be, want to participate. And the reason they're so adamant about this is because our state representation is according to the Senate, this uh, census, and how much money our state gets to spend of your money <laughs> goes into our state's coffers. So it's very important, this census is coming up, and it was very important back then, too. Uh, verses, verse 4, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancestral home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to him. Now, when it, there's a lot of information in this one little verse. First of all, we, we realize that David was ascended from King David. His lineage had to come from David. And so this gives us that information that, yes, he was, and you had, so he had to go to Bethlehem. And that's where the Bible said that the Messiah would be born. So he had to go there, so that proves that. Another thing we find interesting about this verse 
is, is this, that he calls Mary his fiance, or in the King James says he's his spoused wife. Now, a spoused, Luke is emphasizing this point to let you know that uh, Mary and Joseph had not consummated their marriage. They were obviously married because if they hadn't been married, Mary couldn't have traveled with Joseph. That wouldn't have been a no-no, big taboo of, of that time frame. Today, it isn't a big deal, but back then it would have been. So he had, they had the marriage ceremony. They just had not consummated the marriage. So Luke is emphasizing that point because Jesus had to be born of a virgin. So Luke is verifying this point and letting us know that that's, that's why he called her that, uh, either engaged or espoused. And, <clears throat> and if they hadn't been married, like I said, Mary couldn't have traveled with them. Now, this wasn't required. Mary could have, could have stayed home. She wasn't required to go. The husband could have just went by himself. But I think that Mary didn't want to be left alone, would you? You've already been suffering all the insult and all the abuse of being pregnant and all the stigma that's attached to that. We don't understand that so much today because it happens all the time. Well, back then, it didn't happen all the time. It was, it was a, an event. <laughs> So, therefore, she didn't, probably didn't want to stay there. She wanted to go because she didn't want to suffer any more insults or maybe th have the people think that Joseph had abandoned her already. Or maybe Joseph wanted her to come along because he knew that what she was carrying was the Messiah, the Son of God, and he wanted to be there for the birth, and he didn't want to take any chances of missing it. Wives, don't you like your husbands there when you're, when you're going to have a baby? There isn't a lot of excuses they can get away with not to be there unless they value their lives. <laughs> so anyway, I think it was a combination of reasons why Joseph took Mary with her, even though he knew that she would probably be in a position of having to give birth. But I don't think he anticipated what he found when he got into Bethlehem. I don't think he anticipated no place to live or no place to stay while he was there. He didn't plan ahead. There wasn't any holiday inns. There wasn't any telephones to say, hey, I'm coming with my wife. Could I rent a room? You had to first come, first serve. And because of the condition of Mary, they probably got there a lot later than they could have if she hadn't been pregnant. It's kind of hard to travel on a donkey anyway, but when you're pregnant, it isn't probably the best situation that you can be in. So anyway, see, <clears throat> verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now Bethlehem, we've been over there, <clears throat> and Bethlehem is really a big, open, kind of a hilly type place. And it had very, very fertile soil, so it was a perfect place for vegetation to grow wild and wild grasses and things like that. So it was a perfect place to raise livestock, sheep particularly. And uh, so this is where the shepherds took their sheep, and they, you know, they stayed there. Now, the shepherds mostly stayed out in the open field most of the time. They were in the open field because, you know, the climate over there is pretty decent. We was over there. When we was over there, it was uh, November, the end of November, first part of December, and it was nice, nice weather. You had to, didn't have to wear coats a lot of times. Sometimes you'd hit little places where it'd be chilly, or in the shade it was a little chilly, but generally speaking, it was pretty nice environment. So to be in, 60, 70 degrees, I think it was about 70 degrees average while we was over there. Well, that's nice weather. So they, didn't have, they were out in the open most of the time. And if the weather was bad, they did have caves and, uh, that they went into, they took their sheep into, and we went down into one of these caves. And what it was was just carved out of the rock. Now, the rock over in this area was more like chalk. And you could dig it out really easy. You could take a stick and dig a hole in it because it was really soft. And if you leaned up against it, it was just like leaning up against a chalkboard. You'd get it all over yourself. 
So they had these kind of things all around there. And I don't know, maybe the cave we were in might have been one of the shepherds that was at that time. I don't know. But it was kind of exciting, you know. You could get out there and you could look and the whole area was just open. So I can imagine, you know, that night to the stars all over the place. I know that we in Canab and Fredonia, we get to see the stars. We get to see the open sky and those kind of things. But city people, they don't understand, you know, being able to see that kind of stuff. But we do. So anyway, the shepherds were there. And in, in verse 9 it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord glory surrounded, and they were terrified. I'll bet they were terrified. Can you imagine, you know, you're up camping, and there is, now I'm not talking about in our campgrounds, that you're, there's people here, 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 all over the place. I'm talking about out in the area where it's open and there's hardly any people. You might not even see anybody for a long time while you're there. And you have a fire, and you're sitting around the fire, and I believe that's the environment that was there. And there, isn't, there wasn't just one band of shepherds. There wasn't just one group of little, you know, our, my four and no more that was here, only me and my little ten little sheep. It wasn't like that because the area there was a, was a vast opening, so there's probably a bunch of shepherds all over the place because that was a good place to earn a living. Shepherds, being a shepherd wasn't the most acceptable kind of a job, so if you wanted a job, you wouldn't want it. That wouldn't be your first, first list of things. Today, we'd consider if you don't get an education, you're going to be a shepherd. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, the way it was back then. But they were sitting there all of a sudden just sitting around the campfire. Maybe some were dozing off or whatever was going on in their life. They were talking. I don't think they were roasting hot dogs. I don't think they had those back then. No marshmallows, no s'mores. But they were just sitting around maybe poking the fire and enjoying, enjoying the evening and looking at the fire and, and having a good time. When all of a sudden the whole sky lights up. Now, if something lit up that sky, it'd be, it's, like I said, it's a big area. And I don't know, but I think angels put off a lot of light when they come in. And I think, you know, scared, I'll bet I've been scared too. Have you ever been, seen something unusual at night? And you hear all these weird stories about it? Man, I'll tell you. People say, well, I got was taken by a UFO, and I've seen these UFOs, and I've seen all these kind of things going on. Well, they didn't have any uh, airplanes back then. They didn't have no wa uh, weather balloons, so they couldn't have blamed it on anything. Today, maybe that's why God had the, all this stuff happen then. Because today, if this kind of stuff happened, they'd say, oh, it's just trick photography. Or we'd find some reason to account for it. But back then, they didn't have all that stuff. So it was kind of an astonishment. You know, today, if something like that happened to us, we wouldn't be near as terrified as these shepherds were that night. We'd probably be looking around wondering what caused it. And, you know, kind of gathering look at it. Not then. Back then, yeah, terrified. Never seen anything like this. And even today, if an angel appeared among you, I guarantee you, you'd probably be a little scared. <clears throat> now Luke uh, 10 says, verse 2, verse 10 says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that we, we will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, I don't think just me, mere saying the words, don't be afraid, is going to cut it. <laughs> you know, they may have said it. But I think it was the, when the angel mentioned the word Messiah, I think that that word in itself is what calmed their fear. Because all, everyone was looking for the Messiah. Everyone, every young kid from the time they were born, they heard the promises of the Messiah. And every year they hoped to be able to, to see him or experience that day when he would come. So when they said the Messiah, man, their ears perked up and probably the fear just vanished. Be kind of like you go meeting, meeting somebody or somebody shocks you, comes around or whatever, and 
they not expecting somebody and somebody startles you and they say, oh, I'm your aunt's, your sister's kid, whatever their name is. And all of a sudden, that little bit of information changes the start into, oh, okay, and, and acceptance. So it kind of changes the environment. So I believe that that was those words when the angel said the Messiah, that the shepherds, oh, yeah, we know the Messiah. We've been hearing about him. Oh, yeah, it's God. That's what it is. All right. So all of a sudden, they, they're, they were probably a little anxious, but I'll, I think that that calmed their fear a little bit. <clears throat> And in verse 12, it says, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, this is really a sign. We sometimes think, oh, what's a big deal about that? Well, people, children weren't born in barns back then. <laughs> I know when we told our kids, shut the door, you weren't born in a barn. I wonder if Jesus got to leave the door open. Think so? I don't know. But anyway, so he, they said, ye will be born in a manger. Well, the mangers were only found in barns. So that in itself was a sign. If you was going to give birth to a baby, you wouldn't want to go, go out in the barn, go out in the outbuilding, go out in the shed, and have your baby and put it in a manger. That isn't something you would do. Men, you wouldn't get away with it. You may mention it, and then after, you, after they recovered your body and remains, then maybe... <laughs> But that wasn't something that happened. So this truly was a sign for them. <clears throat> Verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Now we sing, hark the herald angels sing, and we do all these other kind of things. But can you imagine a whole host of angels Giving, saying these same words or singing these words. I don't know whether they were singing them or saying them. We have a, hair, have a tendency to think that they were singing them, but it didn't say they were singing them. But it's kind of hard to picture an angel not singing it, right? So I, I kind of think that they might have been singing it. But see, we overlooked this excitement that was happening on this night. We remember back in the Garden of Eden, God promised them a Savior, a Messiah, someone that would save us from our sins. And so from that point on, God started his plan of salvation. And so thousands and thousands of years, God had been planning for this moment. And every year, every so many years, he would give a little bit more information about the Messiah. Oh, he's going to be born of, of the seed of Abraham, then the seed of Isaac and Jacob. And now the tribe of you know, Judah, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So all these facts start accumulating to where they start just fine-tuning it to a certain degree. And now all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. He's born in a manger. And I'm not kidding you. I'll bet the heaven was so excited that they couldn't hardly contain himself. No wonder there was angels there. No wonder there was singing. No wonder the whole skies lit up. Because God's plan of salvation had been born. And they were so excited about it. Man, those angels were so excited. We look at the kids that get so excited about Christmas. Man, don't they? They count the days, and you get these little calendars, and they mark off the days. And as the days get closer and closer and closer and closer together, by the time Christmas comes, man, they're, man, they're beside themselves with excitement. Well, I believe that's the scene that we see here on that night in Bethlehem where these angels just couldn't contain themselves anymore. And they say, God, let us go sing. Let us go do something because I am so excited about this. And so God let them go. And man, these lucky shepherds that were out in the field, they got to enjoy the whole thing. Man, that was an exciting time for them. I'd like to have been there. 
I'd really like to have seen that sign. But we read about it, or we read through it, and we don't, oh, that's just a big deal. We're so familiar with Christ and his birth and so familiar with the Christmas story that we don't, it doesn't register up here or in here. We hear it up here, but I want, we need to register it right here in our hearts and be aware that Jesus was born, and this is an exciting time. And when we come to Christmas, we need to remember the reason we celebrate it. Not for Santa Claus alone, not for all the gifts, not for all the things that we eat and all the extra weight that we gain. That isn't what Christmas is about. That's a fringe benefit. But the real reason of Christmas is that Jesus was born. And if all of heaven was excited as what they are, we should be excited about that. <clears throat> and we, when you're excited, remember the first time you got engaged? Can you remember that far back? I kind of remember it. Actually, it was on Christmas. It was Christmas time. So it was kind of an exciting, you know, type thing. Or your first child was born. Remember that time? Man, you wanted to tell everybody. You didn't care if it was 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. You're calling people. Mom, you're a grandma. Dad, you're a grandpa. You're so excited about it. Well, see, that's what God was. God was excited, and he wanted to tell everybody, so he sent the angels. He didn't hand out cigars, though. <laughs> but it was a boy. <laughs> he told him it was a boy, and that was the message. So that's kind of an exciting time there. Now, I don't, hopefully you won't look at those verses again in, a different, in the same light. In verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told them about. Now, the angels, they came all at once, kind of sudden appearance, whap, and they were there. But when they left, they kind of left a little bit at a time, and they descended, and they watched them return to heaven. God wanted to know where they came from and where they went to. And I think it was kind of like, you remember the, the, the music of Sound of Music? We're all familiar with that. And all of the family, whatever the family is, they're singing the end of the song, and they depart the stage one at a time. And they finally, no one's there, but whatever. I think that's kind of the environment. The shepherds, man, they're sitting around. And they're looking at each other. Now, the angels didn't tell them to go to see the sign. He didn't tell them to go. He just told them where it was at. Now, wild horses couldn't have kept me away. Man, I want to see this thing. Let's go see this thing. I, man, I'm excited about this. Let's go see it. So the problem wasn't uh, <clears throat> who was going to go. The problem was who's going to stay. Who can't go see the newborn king? Who, who doesn't get the same? Can't you just see those shepherds out there drawing straws to see who has to stay? Loser stays with the sheep. The winners get to go see the Messiah. How exciting would that be? Because they can't leave the sheep alone because then the enemy, the wolves and things, would attack the sheep without the shepherd. So they had to leave somebody there. I'd hate to have been that shepherd that got left. Why can't we do tag team going? You know, you go, we'll come back, then you'll go. I don't know, maybe they did that. I have no idea. But anyway, so they believed the angel's message and they wanted to see it for themselves. See, they believed the message. If they hadn't believed the message of the angels, they'd have sat there and said, oh, wow, wasn't that kind of exciting? What'd you think about it? And just talk about it. Ah, man, they were up and they wanted to go. See, today we have an, uh, a whole society of people that they know that the Savior has been born. You can't live in America and no, not know why we celebrate Christmas. You'd have to be born on... Who knows where? Not to know that. But we have a whole society of people that don't want to go see. They don't want to go see if it is true. They don't want to come and come to God and say, is this true? 
Is everything in this Bible that we've heard, is it true? Were there really angels? Were there really shepherds? Were there really wise men? Was all this stuff happen? Or is it just something that I just heard about like a fairy tale? See, they don't go look. God wants us to go look. And as Christians, we verified that information. I verified in that in my heart. Doesn't matter what anybody else says, I know it's true because in my heart I have felt the Christmas story. I've opened up that package. And, I've, and I thank God for that message. I thank God for that gift that he's given unto me. And I'm with the, I'm with the shepherds, man. I'm all over this thing. You know, I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see it now. I don't want to wait. And yet, this morning, this church should be filled with people. There's a whole bunch of people out there that they don't want to go see. They don't want to see if it's true. They're too busy with their parties. They want to go seek parties. They want to go do all the other things that they do. And God isn't part of the Christmas season. But it's kind of hard. You can't have one without the other. Love and marriage, they go together like a horse and carriage, except in the society we live in. Well, God and Christmas, Jesus and Christmas go together. You can't have one without the other, period. I don't care what they say anywhere. That's the reality of it. And if you go shopping this week and they say happy holidays to you, you say Merry Christmas. And if they don't say Merry Christmas, keep saying it until they do. I don't care how much the line gets backed up. I want it to come out of their lips. Merry Christmas. And they sit there and look at you like you're crazy. Say, hey, this is Christmas. If you don't say Merry Christmas, you're going to have to come and call the guards and haul me away. You think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. I'm dead serious. <laughs> and we need to make it a point as Christians to make sure that the whole world knows why we're celebrating Christmas. It's not a holiday tree. It's a Christmas tree. Take Christ out of Christmas. You don't have anything. You just have a mess. <clears throat> Verse 16 says, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, that, this search didn't have to take very long because they, they profiled where Jesus was going to be born. They said he was going to be born in a manger, so they didn't have to go look in all the houses. All they had to do was look in the stables. Now, Bethlehem wasn't that big of a town, didn't have a lot of people in it, so I don't think they looked that they had that many stables, so they just had to go to the stables and look around. And can't you just see them if you're sitting there at your house and you have a stable in your backyard and all of a sudden here comes this whole band of shepherds? Can I look in your stable? <laughs> what? Can I, can I please? Can I please? <laughs> Man, you'd think this crazy. But those kind of things had to have happened. I don't know. If somebody come looking around, wanted to get and look in your outbuilding or something in your backyard, I think they'd knock on your door, don't you? So I think that they would very courteously, as much as possible, looking for the Messiah. And they knew where to look because the angels told them. So they didn't spend their whole time looking in the houses because he said he's in the manger. Well, we got a whole world of society today that's looking for something, but they're looking in the wrong places. They don't know that the Bible profiled the place that he could be found. He's found here in the pages of this book. He was found in Bethlehem, and that's where they looked. But see, they're looking in parties. They're looking in, in things. They're looking in all the wrong places for what they want. In reality, we all need Jesus. We all need the Messiah in our hearts. But the world isn't looking there. They can't hear the words of the angels. They don't hear the angels' message that a Messiah has been born. All they hear is laughter. The laughter of parties and the draw of the world out to spend more money. And they hear, see the glitter and all the things that just distract us from the reason we have Christmas. 
But that isn't God's will. God sent the angels so we'd get it right. And so God was very, very adamant about what we should be focusing on at Christmas. Otherwise, he wouldn't have let angels come to proclaim the message. <clears throat> Verse 17, And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. These shepherds, they were the first evangelists of the era. Man, they were so excited that they seen something that had happened. Man, they couldn't contain themselves. How would you like to have been the shepherds when all these shepherds came back? The ones watching the sheep? <laughs> you seen what? You got to see and I didn't get to see him. I had to stay here with these stinking sheep. Might have went out and kicked one or two. I don't know. <laughs> but from that moment on, their lives had changed. They had, they, had an ex- they had a Pentecostal meeting when they come back, all the way back to their sheep. Oh, man, this is an exciting time for them. And everything that God told them was exactly as he said it was. Well, everything else in this book is exactly like God said it was. Every single detail that God told us about this world and the society we're living in is going to happen. One day, just as Jesus was born, as, the, as God had told, he's going to come again. But the world isn't looking for a Messiah today. They're looking for a Savior. And, and they thought they elected one here this last election. They called him Savior, but he isn't saving me. How about you? He isn't saving my checkbook. He's, he's costing me a lot. And he's... The economy's going down the toilet, in case you notice. So he isn't the Savior. There's only one Savior. And this book talks about him. So if we want the things that a Savior promises, we have to go where God said to look. But see, they're looking for the wrong place. Now, the shepherds found what they were looking for, and it changed their lives. Have you found what you're looking for this morning? Have you been looking for the perfect gift? Maybe that would help. You know, you're trying to figure out what you're going to get your wife or your husband for Christmas and you can't find it. So maybe, oh man, maybe what you want is the perfect gift for your wife. Or maybe for your husband. <clears throat> I wrote this little poem a while back. It's called God's Chris- Gift of Christmas. And it says, God's gift wasn't wrapped in paper or tied up in pretty bows. His gift was unwrapped in heaven, for it was love he wanted to bestow. How do you wrap such a present? How do you send such a gift? You should send an announcement so the present no one would miss. The announcement should match the present. Angels should go and proclaim that the gift of God had been given so all his gift could obtain. God's gift was so very precious, more precious than the wealth of this land. Its value cannot be measured. It's innumerable as the stars or the sand. His gift would continue giving even after time comes to an end. Granting peace, joy, and love without ceasing. This is the gift he would send. His gift was his son that he treasured. For a price it had to be paid. And nothing else was sufficient if humanity he wanted to save. His gift not all would acknowledge, but there for all to receive. So simple and yet so complete to all who would only believe. His gift could not be measured, a gift that money can't buy. I cannot even imagine anyone willing to try. I receive his gift of salvation. I accept his love that won't cease. I thank him for lighting my pathway, granting me life, joy, and peace. I have so little to give, 
in return for his cleansing within. All I am or possess, I do offer to the one who died for my sin. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what it's about. And that's the perfect gift for Christmas. If you don't have that perfect gift this morning, I invite you to accept it. Because it's right there, not up in the package that we want it to be, but it's there. It's there for each one of us to receive. Have you ever wondered why God chose the shepherds? Have you ever wondered that? I have. Why the shepherds? He could have went, why not go to the king? Why not go to the Pharisees, the religious leaders? Why not go somewhere else where when they came and said the Savior would be born, they'd believe him? If the head rabbi would have went or the chief priest would have went and to the manger or Jesus, look at the power he had. But he didn't. He went to the lowliest group of people, the outcasts, the, the people that we would not choose. And I wondered about that. But then I realized that, you know, back in the Mishnah, now that, when the Mishnah was the, finally, when they finally recorded the oral rules and laws of the Jewish people for daily living and those kind of things, it was called the Mishnah, but it was an oral thing until somebody wrote it, wrote it down. Well, in this Mishnah, if you look, they find out that the temple in Jerusalem got all of their animal sacrifices from the fields of Bethlehem. That's where you got the lamb for the Passover. That's where you got the lambs for the sacrifice or sin. That's where they got them, was from that same field that Jesus was born in. So what a fitting place for the lamb of God to be born in the place where the lambs were raised for sacrifice. Ooh, that just gives me two dads. <laughs> See, God knew all that stuff, and he knew that he was going to be born the Lamb of God, and he was going to be born and die on a cross, because he just didn't come to be the Messiah. He came to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And that's why the shepherds, because they were the ones that took care of those sheep. And God was saying, hey, guys, you're going to be out of a job pretty soon, because I, the Lamb of God is going to take away all the sins of the world, and there will be no more need of animal sacrifices. Because there's going to be an ultimate lamb, an ultimate sacrifice for sin. So that's why God chose the shepherds. Anyway, that's why I think God chose the shepherds. It makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, it's not gospel, but I believe that that's the reason. Because God doesn't do anything out of whim. He has a reason for everything that he has done throughout history. And he's every reason for everything that he's, he's compiled in this book and, and why he kept the things that are in here. He has a reason. We may not know him. We may not see him right away. But I guarantee if you're going through something today, God has a reason for it in your life. One day you'll know what it is. Maybe you won't know what it is until the next life. But that's what Christmas is about. It's about the Lamb of God being born in a place where sheep were raised for sacrifice. Have you accepted the gift of Christ this morning? Have you asked him to come into your life? Has the Messiah came in and gave you peace in your heart? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins this morning? If you haven't, today's a good day. Why not accept Christ as your Savior this morning? Then you already have really something to believe in when the Christmas comes. Then you'll know the Messiah. You'll know the reason for the season personally. Heads bowed, eyes closed.